Hey, uh, good evening, everyone, and welcome to uh, another episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I am your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, and tonight's episode is entitled Childhood Memories. Now, before you say, Keith, you just turned 53, not 83, so there was no way you were sitting around the transmission box with the family every night listening to old time radio. No, but in, oh geez, 1981, I think I was a little, I think. I was 11 years old and homesick. And that's when old time radio, there was a resurgence. And many of the shows were formatted onto cassette tapes. And my wonderful mother bought me two cassettes. And the episodes I'm playing tonight are the first old time radio shows I ever had in my collection so it brings back childhood memories so without further ado this is terror radio the two radio series highlighted tonight are the hall of fantasy and inner sanctum our first radio play is called the man in black and was first broadcasted on the hall of fantasy on september 6th 1953. Following that is the radio play Only the Dead Die Twice. And this was first broadcasted on Inner Sanctum on March 21st, 1949. So, you all know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to The Man in Black, followed by Only the Dead Die Twice. And now, the Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the series of radio dramas dedicated to the supernatural, the unusual, and the unknown. Come with me, my friend. We shall descend to the world of the unknown and forbidden, down to the depths where the veil of time is lifted, and the supernatural reigns as king. Come with me and listen to the tale of The Man in Black. The wind. Where did it come from? It is always there when he wants to speak to me. It is the sound of his voice. You're not serious about this man, are you? Take it as you will, my good sir. Put your own interpretation upon the words I have spoken. Yes, master. I understand. What did you say? I answered him. What do you mean? The wind. The mocking sound of the wind is his voice. He has seen. He has looked into your minds and seen you. 
But he sees only one woman. One woman in both of your minds. First, she shall die. Then, you. Both of you. Yes, Master. I hear and obey. <laughs> in just a moment, the Hall of Fantasy will present The Man in Black. And now for our story. An original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne entitled The Man in Black. We live in a world which borders at times on the unreal. A world that cannot explain the various phenomena which seem to have neither beginning nor end. That subtle, fleeting power of perception which reveals itself to a human being only at infrequent intervals throughout his life. That sudden, sharp feeling that danger or death is near. These things mankind cannot explain. This sixth sense of warning never appears when we go about our everyday tasks, but only when we are faced with an insurmountable problem, imminent and deadly peril. Such is the tale of the man in black. It was a cool, quiet night. That night it began. For some reason, Brian had insisted that we take a stroll in the park. That's late, Brian. Almost 11.30. I know, David. Beautiful night, isn't it? Yes. A good night for sleeping. I like to come out here about this hour. It seems to give me a sense of belonging. That sounds strange coming from you. Well, I'm quite serious, Dave. I feel no relation with the rest of the world. But out here in the park, listening to the sound of the crickets, or footsteps on the walk, I feel as if I belong. You understand what I'm trying to say? I think so. Another thing strange, but I have a feeling. A feeling that something is wrong, that something is going to happen. What do you mean? Something inside of me. I almost know that something will happen that will change the entire course of my life. Oh, I think you're just imagining. A woman coming towards us. Yes, I see her. I wonder if... Man in black. Have you seen that man in black? I'm sorry, but we haven't... Just a minute, David. Let her talk. Have you seen him? Have you seen the man in black? No, I'm afraid not. Oh, I thought perhaps you could help me. I must find him. Well, we haven't seen anyone out here tonight except you. The man in black. I must find the man in black. What does she mean? I don't know. The man in black. Maybe we ought to follow her. Now, let her go. That's strange. What? It was so still before, and now a wind seems to have sprung up from nowhere. Listen. She went off in that direction. Let's take a look. I wonder why she screamed. Well... She couldn't have gotten too far. Look up ahead. That must be her. Lady, is anything... What's the matter with her? She's dead. Dead? That's right. I wonder who he is. Who? The man in black. We called the police told them everything we knew. There were no marks on the woman's body, nothing to indicate the manner in which she died. The police were inclined to believe she died from natural causes. But Brian and I felt there was something behind her death that concerned 
the man in black. I didn't see Brian for almost two weeks. At the end of that time, I received a call from Carol Deming, Brian's bride-to-be. Hello? David, I hope I didn't disturb you. Oh, of course not, Carol. David, Brian wants you to come to dinner tonight. Any particular reason? I think so. What is it, do you know? No, I'm not sure. David, I'm frightened. Brian's been so... so strangely mysterious lately. He seems obsessed with only one idea. Something about... A man in black. Not once during dinner did Brian mention the subject. It was perhaps an hour after the meal. The three of us were sitting in the library when he brought up the subject of the man in black. Remember that woman we saw in the park, David? Yes, of course. She aroused your interest, didn't she? Yes. She did the same thing to me. Only I did something about it. Brian... I wish you'd forget about this. I can't, darling. I know how you feel about it. I did my best to forget it, but I couldn't. Still, don't you think that... My mind will never be quiet until I get to the bottom of this. Maybe the woman we saw was upset. It was quite evident, David. I made some inquiries about this supposed man in black just to see if anyone knew anything about him. And? And I discovered that no person alive was described in that way. Well, then you can forget about it. I said, anyone alive. What do you mean by that, Brian? The man she was talking about has been dead for 30 years. Well, then, that ends your investigation, doesn't it? I'm afraid not. Why not, Brian? When I've traced down every last clue about him, only then will I be satisfied. Who was he, this man in black? An immigrant to this country, David. He's buried in a mausoleum in a private estate about 40 miles north of the city. You mean he lived here? No, he didn't. It was his dying wish that a mausoleum be built and his body placed there after his death. No one knows where he came from. Why should he pick this location? I don't know, David, but I intend to find out. How? I understand there's a caretaker for the estate. I intend going to him to learn the story. When? Tomorrow. Do you mind if I come along? Of course not. What about you, Carol? No. I don't want to go with you, and I wish you wouldn't go either. There's nothing to be afraid of. Are you sure, Brian? Are you really sure? What's the matter, Carol? Over there. At the window. There's nothing there. But there was. There was something over there. I couldn't see it clearly, Brian, but it was there. The grotesque figure of a man's face floating outside the window. Back now to our story. An original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne entitled The Man in Black. Neither Brian nor I saw anything outside the window, and we put it down to Carol's imagination. She asked us again not to go out there, but Brian insisted, and in the end, won out. The following day, in the late afternoon, we started out to the estate. This is the road that leads into the estate. It seems so, so lonely out here. Yes, doesn't it? Almost as if this little area was set apart from everything else. Maybe it's the day. Gray, overcast. Well, that all adds to it, of course. Uh, up ahead, is that it? Yes. Oh, that one building with that semicircle of trees behind it. I thought you said he was buried in a mausoleum. He is. You mean that? I don't like this, Brian. Are you afraid? Maybe. 
Look, there's an old man standing in the doorway. Looks as if he were waiting for us. I wouldn't be surprised if he was. Well, let's go meet him. Uh, maybe we ought to go back. Of course not. We've already come this far. We'd be crazy to turn back now. Good day, gentlemen. I've been expecting you. Please come to find out. No need to tell me. Just follow me, please. He said you would be here about this time. Who? I'll tell you later. So, so dark in here. Your eyes will become accustomed to it, the darkness. Just come with me. What do you think? I don't know. You said something? No. No, nothing at all. This is the room. Right in here. You wish to learn of the man in black. Am I correct? Yes. Can't we have more light? The candles burning in here don't throw off much light. I'm sorry, but that would be against his orders. Whose orders? He who walks by night. What can you tell us about this man in black? Quite a good deal. The man who lies in a stone coffin in the center of this room died some 30 years ago. Yet his body is as it was when he was alive. Perhaps you would like to look at him. No. Uh, sorry. You ought to look upon him. After all, he has laid claim to you already. What do you mean? The woman you met some time ago. She was the first link in the chain. The last in her chain, but the first in yours. They who search for the man in black shall die. But not before they see the one they love most in this world die first. The wind. Where did it come from? It is always there when he wants to speak to me. It is the sound of his voice. You're not serious about this man, are you? Take it as you will, my good sir. Put your own interpretation upon the words I have spoken. Yes, master. I understand. What did you say? I answered him. What do you mean? The wind. The mocking sound of the wind is his voice. He has seen. He has looked into your minds and seen you. But he sees only one woman. One woman in both of your minds. First, she shall die. Then you. Both of you. Yes, master. I hear and obey. <laughs> that voice. Where's that voice coming from? From his coffin. Stop now. Yes. He has stopped laughing. Your meeting is over now. But you will see him again quite soon. Remember to look for the man in black. for some minutes as we drove back. But then Brian broke the unnatural quiet. I didn't know you felt that way about Carol. Oh, he was mistaken, Brian. You're not a very convincing liar, David. It's true, isn't it? Yes. I'm sorry. Forget it. All right. What do you think? About the story the old man told us? I hope he's crazy. What if he isn't? Then I... I don't know. I just don't know. 
When we get back to town, Dave, we'll pick up Carol and head for my place. Why? It's strange, but something tells me that what the old man said was true. From the back of my mind, I also knew that what the old man had said was true. What bothered me was that we knew we were doomed to die, but not from which direction death would come, nor what form it would take. We phoned Carol from a little roadhouse just outside the city. She was waiting for us when we pulled up in front of the apartment building in which she lived. And there it was only a short drive to Brian's place. And that's the story, Carol. I... I can't believe it. You know, sitting here in your house, Brian, with the lights on like this and everything so normal, I find it difficult to believe myself. Perhaps we were mistaken, Brian. Maybe nothing will happen. You really believe that, David? I'm trying to. Just a minute. What time was it when you were out there? Oh, it must have been about five. Why? Well, maybe it was my imagination, but just about that time, I heard someone laughing. The voice came from behind me. I turned around to look, and no one was there. It could have been the laugh we heard. But we were there. How could she possibly have heard anything at the precise moment we did? The old man said it was his voice issuing forth from the coffin, the voice of the man in black. What's that? It's just thunder, Carol. It's been threatening to rain all day. Every time the old man said he heard the voice, did you notice how the wind would spring up? There was another sound, too. I don't know what it was. It was there. I'll never forget it. Well, what are we going to do? Well, I'm going to hire bodyguards, take protective measures against anyone getting near. Listen. The wind. And that sound we heard in the mausoleum. Where's it coming from? I don't know. <laughs> Carol, what's wrong? What's the matter? Oh. There's something at the window. Hey, Carol, who's twisted face? Oh, something. It's gone. The window's broken. It was looking in at us, watching the three of us. And those eyes. Those terrible eyes. I'm afraid, Brian. Brian, you have to do something before it's too late. Back now to our story. An original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne entitled The Man in Black. A moment before, the three of us had been witness to an amazing and terrifying sight. For outside the window, we had seen a face, distorted and twisted. The fire burning in its eyes bespoke death. I'm afraid, Brian. Brian, you have to do something before it's too late. Was that the same face you saw before, Carol? Yes, only now it was much clearer. What are we going to do, Brian? Maybe we should call the police. They probably wouldn't believe us. Now, you used a detective agency a few months ago. I'm going to call them. The telephone number should be here in my desk. I'll take it easy, Carol. But it's just that I, I'm so frightened. We'll be all right as soon as we can get some guards here. Brian Flint, is that you? This is Brian Connolly. I want every available man you have to come out here tonight. You know my address. Yes, thank you. They'll be out here as soon as possible. Is Radcliffe coming? No, but we'll have eight men here in the house to give us protection. We'll stay here, the three of us. That way we'll have a better chance. Oh, if only you hadn't been so interested in what that woman had to say, Brian. But I was. And I'm sorry. That's over and done with, Carol. I'm as much to blame as he is. Oh, I suppose we all are. There's nothing we can do except wait, Carol. But I'm sure the man in black won't call on us again. Not when we have help. 
What do you want? I'm just checking up on things, sir. Have all the men been posted? Yes. It's rather dark out here in the hallway. You shouldn't be out here by yourself, sir. I'm just as safe here as I would be with the others. Probably. It's so dark, I can't see your face very well. It's just a face, sir. Nothing else. You seem very nervous. Do you believe the old man's story? I'd prefer not to, but... It is rather frightening, isn't it? Yes. Well, I'll continue on my rounds. Good night, sir. Probably see you again before morning. The guard somehow disturbed me. There was something unusual about him. In the gloomy hallway, I couldn't see his face. Of course, in the shadows, it was difficult to tell what color his clothes were. Who's that? David. You... you startled me. Are you alone down here? Yes. Where's Carol? She had a headache. Went upstairs from that. Well, she shouldn't be alone. There's a man stationed outside her door. It's so quiet in the house. One of the guards just passed me in the hallway asked me if I believed in the story the old man told us. The guards don't know anything about the story. Are you sure? Of course I am. The only thing they've been told is to watch for a man in black clothing. Why should the guard know anything? Did you see his face? What was he wearing? Well, it was too dark out there in the hallway. Of course, he might have heard something about it. No, he couldn't have. I didn't even tell Radcliffe the story. Then how did he know it? Unless... He was the man in black. There's something about him that seems so strange. I, I can't place it, but he frightened me. We better search the house. Listen, the wind again. That sound. He is here in the house. It was Carol's voice. And that man wasn't a guard. Come on. Guard! Guard! Nobody answered. Carol, are you all right? Anything has happened to her? The door to her room. It's open. Carol. She's dead. Just like the woman in the pot. She can't be. What happened to the guard outside her door? Happened to all of the guards in the house, Brian. Haven't seen a single one on our way up here. Do they ever start this? We'd better call the police. Is there a phone up here? No, no extensions up here. You phone. I'll stay here with Carol. It won't do you any good to stay up here, Brian. She's dead. You better come with me. I guess you're right. Oh, Brian, I'm sorry. I should have known that the man in the hallway was... Fault. I'm to blame. I started this. I can't understand what happened to the guard. Whoever he is, whatever he is, he has a power, David. Something evil and malignant. To send the guards away would be a simple matter for him. You can use the phone in the library. You look all done in, Brian. You'd better sit down in that chair over there. All right. I hope they can get here in time. I don't know what will be. That's strange. What? I'm not getting any dial tone. Something's wrong with the phone. Oh. What's the matter, Brian? Nothing. I can't get to the police. The lines must be down. Yes, they must be. I thought I heard you moan when I was trying to get to the police. You were mistaken. It's rather dark in here, and with you sitting in that chair with your back to me, your voice sounds different. Does it? Yes. 
Stay where you are. Something's wrong with you. What is it? Don't you know? No. Perhaps you should look at my face. You're not Brian. The man in the hallway, you're... The man in black. But what happened to... Your friend. We exchanged places for a while. You mean he's dead? That's correct. As you will be soon. Don't come any closer to me. Are you afraid? Why don't you run? I can't move. Now, you see him. The man in black, face to face. And now, you die. Mocking sound of the wind is his voice. The last link in the chain has been broken. Death will strike at those who search for the man in black. For he Characters and events portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. about the new soap opera I heard the other morning. It's a slippery little stanza called John's Other Coffin. This program poses the question, can the murderous husband be happy with the spirit of his dead wife? <laughs> it seems everything went fine with his marriage till one night at dinner his wife asked him to pass the knife, which he did right through her. <laughs> Then he hit her body at the town bell. That's where he made a big mistake. Because the next morning she told on him. <laughs> Tonight's inner sanctum mystery, Only the Dead Die Twice, was written by Ed Adamson and Bob Sloan and stars Larry Haynes in the role of Johnny with Alice Reinhardt as Vera. Well, folks, sit right down and make yourselves uncomfortable. If you don't see any murder you want, just ask for it. Ready for tonight's cataleptic continuity? Okay, then. Let's get to Johnny Bryce as he tells his story. 
started only four hours ago when I put the wagon away for the night. Ask me how I took a job like that, driving a hearse? Well, ask me and I'll tell you I needed a job. Any kind. But it's a job you never get used to. All the time there's that box riding in back of you. Four hours ago, I got out of the wagon and started to head for Joe's grill. But I never got to Joe's. Hello. She was standing at the door. Even in the bad light of the garage, she did things to a dress that knocked your eyes out. So I picked up my eyes and looked again. I've been waiting for you. All your life? An hour of it anyway, Johnny. Hey, you know my name. Mm Mm-hmm. Johnny Bryce. I know a lot about you. That puts you one up on me. (laughs) I'm Vera Craig. I've got something that might interest you, Johnny. Vera, you've got plenty that interests me. I've got a thousand dollars. See? Hey, that stuff almost looks real. It is real, and it's all yours, Johnny. All you have to do for it is use that hearse. What? There's a body I want you to take away. Whose body? Alex. And uh, who is Alec? My husband. He's in our apartment. It's 23 Grove Street. Well, the parlor handles the orders. Why didn't you call them? I couldn't. Why not? My husband has been murdered. Oh. Then you call the cops. The cops like to know about things like that. I can't call the police. You see, I murdered Alec. You killed him? Yeah. I murdered my husband. You say that like you say, pass me the sugar. It wasn't hard. He was rotten mean. I'm not sorry. I've got to get rid of the body. All you have to do, Johnny, is to get it out of the apartment and bury it. Take it out? A a dead body? That should be easy enough for you. Uh Uh-uh. I'm not touching anything dead. But you're used to death. It's around you all the time. Yeah, it's around me. That's the trouble. You think I like it? You won't do it for me. Not for anybody. Not even for this. I told you. Not even for a thousand dollars. A thousand, Johnny. Ten one hundred dollar bills, see? Look, will you stop sticking that dough under my nose? You can do a lot with a thousand dollars, Johnny. Will you stop it? Think of what a thousand can do for you, Johnny. You say you don't like your job. I hate it. And you won't have to be sick with your work anymore. You can get away from it forever. Forever? This will be the last time you'll have to drive a hearse. All you have to do is get rid of Alec's body. A thousand dollars all for you. It'll free you, Johnny. What do you say? One thousand bucks. What do you think I say? I drove the wagon to the address Vera gave me and parked it in the side alley. The house was one of those broken-down brownstones. The halls were dingy and creepy. I was trying to find the door with the name Craig on it. It all was so dark, I didn't see him standing there. You're looking for something, mister? What? Yeah, what's the matter, I scare you. What are you doing here? That's just what I was going to ask you. I don't like people sneaking around these halls. I'm the super. Oh, oh, super. Yeah, what do you want here? Uh, nothing. Well, then what are you looking at the doors for? I've been following you. Well, I'm, uh... Trying to find a friend's apartment. Yeah, who's your friend? I can tell you in the apartment. Uh, no, thanks. Uh, you don't have to bother. I can find it. Look, mister, I don't like the way you act. Maybe I should call a cop. A 
cop? Yeah, you heard me. Oh, look, you don't have to call a cop. I told you, I'm looking for a friend. Yeah, but he still didn't tell me your friend's name. Okay. Okay, uh, he's Alec Craig. Oh, Mr. Craig, eh? Well, why didn't you say so? That makes things different. Mr. Craig's apartment's up on the next floor. Rear of the hall. Uh, rear of the hall. Thanks. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah? What, what is it? No use going up there. Mr. Craig ain't home. But I have... Yeah, he ain't home. He ain't been home all evening. If he was home, I'd have seen him come in, sure. Okay, then I'll talk to Mrs. Craig instead. Missy, you can't do that, mister. He ain't married. There ain't no Mrs. Craig. What kind of a gag was this? The super said there wasn't any Mrs. Craig. And who was Vera? Well, after the super walked away, I went upstairs. The door to Craig's apartment was part open. I pushed it the rest of the way and walked in. The living room was as cold and gloomy as a morgue. I wanted to turn and go out, but something kept pulling me. Ask me and I'll tell you it was death. You couldn't see it, but you knew it was there and you couldn't make it let go of you. Pulled me right through to the next room. Alec Craig was there, just as Vera said. On his white shirt, there was a big red circle. And on the floor next to him, a carving knife. Stained with the same red. I walked out of the room, a thousand bucks and no thousand bucks. I couldn't touch him, not for a million. I got to the front door and opened it. Hello. He was standing there in the hall right in front of the door. A big guy in a black hat and coat. I was just going to ring the bell. My name's Steve Maxton, detective, first grade, 16th precinct. You Alec Craig? Uh, no, I'm a friend of Craig's. Oh, I want to see Craig. Well, he's, uh, he's at home. Who are you? Johnny Bryce. You're sure Bryce's Craig isn't home? Uh, I just told you he wasn't. Nobody's in there. Okay, then suppose you come inside with me. We'll wait for Craig. Well, he, he's not coming back tonight. Go on, do like I tell you. Get inside. What is this? What do you want with me? I just got a call to get over here. The guy who called said there was a murder. Uh, murder? That's right. He said that Alec Craig was here in his apartment. Dead. If I had gotten out of that apartment a minute before, this never would have happened to me. But now I was stuck. Warn you, Bryce. Don't try any phony moves. Oh, you got this wrong, Maxton. Somebody's playing a gag on Maybe. You. Craig isn't here. You can see nobody's here. Well, look in the next room. There wasn't a thing I could do. When we went into the room where Craig was, I kept my eyes straight ahead. I didn't want to look down and see him again. I guess you were right, Bryce. Somebody was playing a gag on me. It wasn't possible. I, I couldn't believe it. There wasn't a body on the floor. There wasn't a murder knife. There wasn't a single trace of death. Maxton went out and left me there alone. I stood right on the spot where Craig's dead body had been. My head spinned around like one of those kids' tops that makes that whirling sound. The sound was my own voice asking myself a hundred questions, questions I didn't have any answers, and the whirling sound got worse and worse. Hello, Johnny. What's the matter, Johnny? Aren't you glad to see me? 
How'd you get here, Vera? How'd you get into that closet? There's a back entrance to the apartment. Look, what's going on here? There was a body right here on the floor. I saw it with my own eyes. Yes, Johnny, you saw Alec's body. I put it in the closet to save you. If that Detective Maxton had found it, then you'd be in trouble, wouldn't you? You said Craig was your husband. He was. You're a liar. The super told me Craig wasn't married. He wasn't your husband, was he? Was he? All right, he wasn't. Why'd you lie to me? Because I wanted to make sure you'd help me. What kind of a game are you playing? When I told you I killed Craig, that was the truth. Why'd you kill him? Because he deserved to die. He was blackmailing me. Johnny, you've got to get him out of here quickly. Oh, no. I'll meet you out at Mount Crescent Cemetery. All you have to do is carry him down the back stairs to the herd. Nothing to it. I'm not going to touch him. I, I couldn't put my hands on him. A thousand dollars, Johnny. It's still waiting for you. I don't want this thousand anymore. Here, Johnny, I'll give you half of it now. No. When you finish out at the cemetery, you'll get the rest. No, I said... Here, take the five hundred. I told you, no. Now, look what you've done. You only have to pick it up. I'm not going to pick it up. I don't want any party of lousy dough. Keep it. The deal's off. Oh, no, Johnny. The deal isn't off at all. Not a bit. You're going to do exactly as agreed. Money or no money, you've got to. Now... No. What do you mean? You told me you spoke to the super. He saw you here. They'll find Craig's body if you don't take it out. So they'll find it, so what? That detective, Maxton, he knows you now, Johnny. The detective remembers a face. They're good at that. If Craig's body is found, you'll be blamed for the murder. Why, you dirty little... So that's it. Yeah, that's it. And there's nothing you can do about it, Johnny. Absolutely nothing. I carried Alan Craig down the back stairs to the wagon. I always thought the dead were cold and stiff. But they're not that way at all. Craig hung over my shoulder like a... Warm rag doll. And with each step down those dark stairs, he bounced. And his face touched mine. With each step, a scream broke loose down deep inside of me, and I had to bite my tongue to keep the scream from coming out. I finally got him to the wagon. I dropped him to the box. And I closed the lid. He was there in the box, but I could still feel his weight on my shoulder. His face brushing against mine. I shut the back door and walked to the front of the wagon. Where are you going, what? Bryce? Maxson. I said, where are you going? Uh, what, what are you doing here? You still didn't answer my question. Uh, to the garage. I'm uh, putting the wagon away for the night. You didn't tell me you drove a hearse. You didn't ask me. Didn't I? No. Well, then I guess I didn't ask. I was waiting out front. You didn't come out that way. Oh, there are back stairs. I... Uh, had my wagon parked here in the alley. Then why didn't you go in through the back? Huh? You went in the front way. How did you know? Oh, maybe I was outside when you got here. Maxton, who are you? You saw my badge. I'm a cop. What do you got in that hearse? Just a box. What's in the box? Nothing. Sure? It's empty. And you wouldn't mind if I had a look. Let go of my arm. I tell you, the box is empty. What are you so nervous about? Your hands shaking like a leaf. Look at the box. I swear, there's nothing in it. That's what you said. What are you going to do? Hmm, nothing, Bryce. Like you said, the box is empty. I'll see you around sometime. Soon. <laughs> 
Paxton walked out of the alley, got into a car, and drove off. What was the game they were playing, Vera Maxton? Why did Maxton let me off so easy? I drove the wagon out of the alley and headed for Mount Crescent Cemetery, where Vera was supposed to be waiting. When I got to the River Drive, I started to breathe again. Well, I was lucky after all. I steered Maxton off. And I noticed there was a car behind me. I knew who it was. Maxton. That's why he let me off, so he could tell me. I slammed the gas down all the way. He stayed right behind, the same distance. There was a curve ahead. I ran up the turn and then cut off to the side of the road. I killed the lights and waited. Maxon's car went by. I got out of there fast and took a back road for my date with Vera at the cemetery. What took you so long, Johnny? Well, Maxton told me, Vera, but when I shook him off. What is it, Johnny? I don't... The way you look. You know, the moonlight. What's the matter with the way I look? There, there's something about you that re- reminds me. Reminds you of what, Johnny? Death. You're not something alive or real. Here's the shovel. You'll dig the grave over there near that tree. No. no I, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. This way, Johnny. Same way you are, Bryce. Maxton. Thought you got rid of me, eh? Maxton, believe me. There's nothing to do with it. It was all her idea. I didn't want to come out here. You picked a Lulu this time, Vera. So you found out, Steve. What are you going to do? What is this? A nice yellow Lulu. He tries to pin it all on you. What are you two talking about? Well, this is the spot where you two have been meeting. Meeting? Cut the act, Bryce. I don't get You're wasting your breath. That's not going to save you. I told my wife if I ever caught her... Vera's your wife. No use, Johnny. There's nothing we can do about it now. But I don't... I'll find out everything about us. Maxton was holding the gun level at Vera. She was right. He'd find out everything. Craig's body was a few yards away in that wagon. I couldn't let Maxton find that body. I waited a second. I jumped out. I saw the gun fly out of his hand. I held him by the coat collar. He brought his right all the way around. I ducked just in time. Then I buried my fist in the middle. I heard the wind go out of him. Then he dropped to the ground. Come on, Vera. Let's get out of here. No, Johnny. Come here, around, so... We can't go yet, Johnny. Don't you see? See what? He'll find you. No matter where you go, he'll find you. I know him. He'll hang for Alec Craig's murder. But I didn't kill Craig. You did. We'll both hang. He'll fix it that way. You won't have a chance. Here. Take this. A gun? It's his. What? what? What do you want me to do? Take it, Johnny. You know what you've got to do. Kill him. Kill him? the only way out for you now. You've got to kill him. But I can't. I can't. All you do is pull the trigger. It's so simple. To shove the gun into my hand. The metal of it burned my palm like a hot poker. Hurry up, Johnny. Shoot. I couldn't lift my hand. Hurry, before it's too late. She picked up my hand and aimed the gun at him. Before it's too late, Johnny. Maxton was laying in the moonlight, quiet and still. I closed my eyes against the side of him. Then I felt her finger press mine. I buried Maxton. All the time I shoveled Vera stood there watching. 
That same devil's smile on her face. After I dug another grave, I went back to the wagon to get Craig's body. I opened the little box and reached it. Sarah! I sat there in the back of the wagon. My, my brain not believing what my hands touched. The insides of the empty box. Sarah! I got out of the wagon and started for the grave. Vera! Vera, he's not here, but... Vera's gone, Bryce. What? It was Craig. Alec Craig. Standing right there in the pass in front of me. She's gone, Bryce. Hey, you're, you're dead. I put you in the box. You're dead. Yeah, Bryce, touch my hand. No, stay away from me. Touch me, Bryce. Feel how dead I am. Don't, don't, don't you come near me. <laughs> You don't have to be afraid, Bryce. I'm not dead, not really. You are, you are. She killed you. That that blood on your shirt, that's where the knife... blood? Yes, I admit it is realistic. But it's only a combination of red ink and grease. But it did get the effect Vera and I wanted. You really thought I was dead. (laughs) You're such a chump, Bryce. Why did you do this to me? Why me? We had to get her husband out of the way. We wanted him dead, but only a chump commits murder. A chump you can buy for $1,000 or with fear. <laughs> You're having a good time, huh, Craig? Oh, terrific. You're not going to get away with this. No? What are you going to do about it, Bryce? Go to the police? Tell them the story? Sure. You do that. Tell them how you held the murder gun. How your fingers squeezed the trigger. She made me Tell that it. to the police, Bryce. Tell them. And let me know what they say. I'll, uh... <laughs> I'll be waiting to hear about it. <laughs> he walked down the path, laughing at me. Me, the prize chump of them all. Well, this chump had one idea. One good idea that was really going to kill him. I started the wagon and headed it down the path. I caught Craig in my headlights. He turned. That hyena smile was still on him. Then when he saw what I was going to do, the laugh dropped off his face. He jumped to the side of the path and ran up the hill. I drove right up after him. No, Frank! No, he twisted no, and turned, but I didn't let him out of the headlights. He was just getting to the tomb at the top of the hill when I stepped down all the way. Alec, what took you so long? Hello, Vera. Aren't you glad to see me? What are you? What are you doing here? We'll talk about it inside. There's nothing to talk I about. I said I'm coming here. Get out of here. There's no way to treat an old friend. Craig told me all about it. How you framed me into the murder. Of course he told you. It was all my idea. Cute idea. I told you before. There's nothing we have to talk about it, so you might as well leave. You're expecting Craig, is that right, Vera? None of your business now. Either you get out. Craig or... won't be here. What? He couldn't make it, Vera. On account of his dead. That's right, good and dead. <laughs> you should have heard him scream when the wagon hit him. You should have heard him, Vera. You're lying. You wouldn't do a thing like that. You're not a murderer. Sure I am, Vera. You made me a murderer. Remember this gun, don't you, Vera? Johnny, listen. All you do is pull the trigger. It's so simple, remember? Johnny, that's that, that thousand dollars. Oh, yeah. I have a thousand. This is where I came in. You can have it now. I do a lot with a thousand bucks. Right, Johnny, that's right. You... Can get away from everything you hate. You won't have to be near death anymore. You can be free of it forever. I... 
the phone. What do you... It's a thousand. Is it all there, Ferret? Yes, all of it, and it's yours now. You, you've earned it. Uh, operator. The police. Police? Johnny, what are you doing? Why are you calling... Hello? The... My name's Johnny Bryce. I want to report a murder. Oh, you crazy fool. They'll hang you. The one who was killed? Her name is Vera Max. No. The address is 23 Grove Street. The killer? Sure. His name is Johnny Bryce. Yeah, that's right, me. Oh, I'll be waiting right here for you. Johnny, don't do it, please. You, you can have a thousand. Even more, three thousand, Johnny. Five. Listen, Johnny. Even even more than five. I'll get you as much as you want. Anything. Anything. Else. Stop. Plenty of corpses and no remorses. Well, Johnny finally got the drop on Vera. But you should see the drop the hangman got on Johnny. Say, there's a moral in tonight's tangy little tidbit. It comes from the grave works of the funeral philosopher, Wormley Digger, author of One Hearst Town. Now, how's it go? Oh, yes. When you plant a corpse, be prepared for anything. You can never tell what might come up. <laughs> Good night, pleasant Sanctum was heard in the United States over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System, and has been rebroadcast for servicemen and women overseas through the facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. Well, that's the show for tonight. And I want to thank you all for listening, as well as showing so much support. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd or on Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. And if you want to drop me a line, say hello, make a suggestion, a request, a even a critique, respectfully, please feel free to email me at radioshownerd at gmail.com. I also have a YouTube channel, which is almost close to 2,000 subscribers. Thank you all very much. Please check it out. Like the videos. Share. Subscribe. Highly appreciated. Again, this is your host, Keith, better known as the Radio Show Nerd, signing off.